0: That's just the weather outside, not the show, hopefully. We're back again uh, with another hour of chat, mainly about motoring topics, transport, all sorts of things driving. And I'm sure we'll touch perhaps on a few road safety aspects as we go. So we are sponsored by NPD Fuels. Thank you to them. You can buy their premium and not-so-premium fuel from around many petrol stations around the region. So thanks again to MPD Fuels. So tonight we are going back to our guest uh, interview format, and we've got a special guest all the way from Christchurch, obviously beaming him in on the phone. So welcome to you, Richard Jones.
1: Thanks, Stephen. Pleasure to be
0: on on the show. Thank you for coming on. I can hear you all oh, good, so uh, that's good. What's the weather like down where you are? Well,
1: I was about to comment on that. Um, so much for sunny Nelson. it has been brilliant with us.
0: Oh, because it's not yeah, it's kind of normally typical. The other way Christ, typical Christchurch. <laughs> okay, so so you haven't got icy winds going across the tundra or anything, but
1: <laughs> y- uh, no, no, we've we've had that famous easterly the other day and it does it cuts through and ruins many a good
0: day <laughs> yeah. yes we're fortunate to be blessed with a little microclimate up here in Nelson but yeah today it's just been raining all day just been raining yeah. all day oh well but it does make the farmers happy anyway yes um, and at least we should be grateful we can get out and experience some weather
1: um, yes yes that's right that's right we don't live in Auckland no we've got to be grateful for that actually
0: Abs- absolutely <laughs> absolutely so so, anyway, um, I have people on my show who've got some involvement with transport or driving or looking after people who do drive or yeah. getting involved. So, what's your connection with the motoring world?
1: Well, uh, um, I'm an alcoholic, uh, uh, an alphaholic, I should say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I mean, alpha ca- can or, or a caraholic, really. Yes. Yes. Um, But uh, I uh, own several cars uh, in conjunction with my oldest son Uh, and um, I took my hobby to an extreme and started up a workshop specialising in the kind of cars I was interested in um, a few years ago. I don't operate it now, but the business is still trading. Uh, And of course, I'm an agent for that famous business classic car rental.
0: Oh yes, Rent a Classic. Yes, yes, yeah. can strongly recommend them. Yeah, yes. yeah, I've heard they I've heard they're good. Yes, <laughs> that's right. If you wanted something different, sports car and convertible hire. Anyway, I mustn't get too distracted. So you you specialised in it in looking after Italian cars, then is that right?
1: Yes, yes. Although um, well, I started with German as well. I ah. yeah. Look, I've had just about every kind of car that you can think of, of of the sort of supposedly more desirable brands. And um, I started really my first exotic departure from the norm was uh, my first car, a Fiat 125, um, Mm -hmm. when it was quite a new car. Uh, I bought a new car for my first job in Wellington. And, um... uh, enjoyed that and it just it it got me into it i being a child of the 50s and um spending most of your childhood in the 60s and so on when the world was without internet and that's true um, modern communication that's right the the world was a was a much much bigger place and being interested in cars i used to read um, magazines such as australian wheels and Sports Car World, it was called then, and Modern Motor, which is an Australian publication as well, and then Auto Car, and, and um, I think it was Thoroughbred Car, or Classic and Thoroughbred Car, might have been going then as well. And I used to read about, particularly the Italian cars, and names I couldn't even pronounce. I tried, you know, phonetically spelled, um, trying to pronounce them, but um, there were always tongue twisters. Yeah. But the press, the journalists, used to rave about them. They were starved of of something out of the ordinary and used to rave about these cars. And um, most of them had a racing heritage as well, so they'd have drivers, but mainly, again, Italian names. It was just fabulous. And um, I used to dream of, of seeing one, let alone driving one or owning one but it brought about there was a real romance to motoring then people i just turned 68 a couple of uh weeks ago last week it was and you know i was brought up there was a romance to motoring then ah. they weren't just an appliance to oof, a greater proportion of people then than there are than the, now and yeah, it uh, just set that romance going, reading these magazines, and if you're that way inclined, mechanically inclined, and so on. And I, um, I got into them that way.
0: Know, a Fiat 125, that's that's quite a left-field choice for New Zealand, but in Italy that would be a sort of standard family
1: yes, well, thing. Yeah, fiat, well, fiat, fiat are the, supposedly the working man's car, you know, and Alpha for the sportsmen and Lancia the, the, for the connoisseurs, and, and Ferrari for sportsmen is sort of an adjunct to Alfa. Maserati was the other one, sort of like an adjunct to Lancia. Um, but yeah, no, they, they were a, a, a what we call a middle class car from Fiat that was aimed really at the, the professionals and junior executives and so on. So um, they went to the bottom of the. The loan, but they sold very well. They're assembled in New Zealand.
0: Ah, I didn't know
1: that. Yes, yes. Well, oh, we did a lot of trade post-war with, uh, and, and have done. Italy's quite a big trade partner, and so um, we actually got onto quite a few Italian products quite earlier. One of the the first things that happened in the late fifties was the starting to assemble Fiat's, and they assembled the wee Fiat five hundred. You know, we know them oh, as a bambino.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, but then later on, and they were assembled in Thames, um, They brought in the Fiat 1500s, the model before that. That was the same size, same class category, and then the one two fives. And in the days of um, the city councils running the the urban traffic enforcement, they had their own um, traffic police. And in Christchurch, uh, obviously someone and council got on very well with the, the Fiat dealer at the time, and they used to run. They ran Fiat 1500s first, and then Fiat um, 125s as the patrol cars.
0: So the police were almost And no that. one even
1: got away in Christchurch. <laughs> <laughs> Faster than most everybody else.
0: I was going to say that's just like the Italian Job film, but then they drove alphas yeah. in the Italian Job, yeah, didn't they? That's but that's, right. Well, that's, that's right. quite exotic. The New Zealand police having a fleet of Fiat's in Christchurch.
1: Yes, yes. Oh, yes. Wow. And, and the, the chaps loved them. Um, funnily enough, though, it was in the local, before um, local body amalgamation, so Christchurch had, um, Christchurch City Council, the major um urban authority but then there was also well waimari um county council it was called and um they had heskett county council and i think it was littleton borough council as well so i think um certainly in the in the heskett and the um, littleton area the Christchurch city council ran the traffic enforcement but mm. in Wymari, in and um, waimari I know they had their own traffic um, enforcement officers, you know, traffic cops, and uh, they ran voxels, I think it was.
0: Yeah. Oh. But I mind mean, you, can just imagine, once you've got the Fiat, so you can just imagine, oh, I think I'll maybe go patrol Arthur's Pass just one more <laughs> time.
1: Yeah. Well, of course, I restricted the city boundaries. Oh, <laughs> yeah. After that, then, well, outside of that, they had the. Um. um Oh, can't remember what they called the the government department. It might have been the transport department actually, well, or Ministry of Transport, and um, they had their own um, national traffic enforcement officers, traffic cops.
0: Right. Yeah, because of course they're switching to Skoda now, New Zealand Police.
1: Yes, yes. Well, no more Holden's.
0: No more Holden's.
1: And, um, no. And no more and Falcons stopped production before Holden did so. The Australian market's gone towards SUVs and smaller cars.
0: Uh, it's
1: the way of the world. Yes.
0: Well, will the, will the police be able to give as good pursuit as normal in Skodas? We'll have to wait. So if I suppose if they've got the RS. You'd
1: be, ones, you'd be you. surprised. Um, again, I'm a bit biased, but European cars take a lot of beating, and um, I doubt whether there would be too many cars that could get away from them. I notice in the British... Um, police forces, the the, um, the traffic patrol peoples, quite often they have, they have BMWs, but there's quite a few Skodas and so on in there as well, yeah. in the fleets, as as traffic enforcement vehicles on the motorways.
0: So, yes, it sounds, well, yes, basically.
1: But knowing Volkswagen, um, Volkswagen is successful because they do business, they're prepared to do business and sharpen the pencil and of course skoda are a um subsidiary of volkswagen and i can see them doing fantastic fleet deals
0: they're a pencil a pencil sharpened brand skoda
1: oh yes yes and 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 being sharp enough to before they're even asked to um, design a purpose-built police vehicle you know with the heavier duty suspension and the extra wiring for all the radio oh yeah and communication equipment and computer plugs and so on, so um, they'd be all set to go before they even approach the first police forces. And um, they'd be really, really sharp in the deal.
0: So you were attracted to the sort of Italian brands and then that got you into doing looking looking after them
1: on well I've always um business. Yeah being being a as I said child of the fifties and sixties, my father was practical and I can still picture him working on the family car, you know, doing the points, right. changing the spark plugs. Most most fathers did in those days. You did a lot of your own maintenance and so on. Um, I also had a grandfather who I'd never met who apparently, or used to own, apparently used to co own the Chrysler dealership in Nelson
0: chrysler and used to sell here as well
1: yes, know yes american cars dominated the pre-war dominated the um the car scene Oh,
0: of course
1: yeah yeah and uh anyway apparently he could he could fix anything not just cars he could fix radios and he was into power boating that's how he died but um um apparently he's a brilliant mechanic yeah. and um Unfortunately, I never met him. He died well before I was born. And um, sometimes there's genetic, you know, um, predispositions that are passed on. Mm. So So I've always been uh, uh, coming from a practical background. And then I had this gift, I suppose, of being able to feel how an engine's going and get it running better and um that's i have always did my own cars and people sort of say you know and uh, when you join various car clubs like the bmw car club or the alpha club or on a porsche club um they say, you know how come yours is running yours is running bloody well or uh, how come you just beat me on that buddy you know, jim carter or something like that it's um would you do, do my car? That <laughs> oh, sort of sowed right. the seed of of starting a business tuning,
0: right? Because the, the Italian car, well, in the sixties and seventies and eighties, the Italian cars they probably have a reputation of being more temperamental on their their running kind of thing. So they're either going really well. Or well, they Yeah, um, can be a bit rough or would you disagree? I'd
1: I'd strongly disagree. You'd strongly disagree. Um, this is the yes. Italian verificer oh, yes, yes. here. Um look, once those they're set up by someone who knows what they're doing. Um they are least less temperamental, I would say, than your standard English car at the time with a single carburetor and and you yeah. know pretty basic ignition system and uh-huh. so on um, or a German or a um, an American car, you know, they weren't They certainly weren't any more um, They wouldn't go out of tune but um, they, would, they would last better because they're made of better materials, better quality materials. You've only got to look at things like nuts and bolts that they used and so on, they're much higher quality than you know, ordinary cars. So the bit of metallurgy in them—they were usually designed by engineers who usually had a doctorate to their name, right. uh, in engineering—and were often involved in motorsport or aviation. You know, aircraft engine design—that was one of the things that Alfa Romeo did, and Fiat um, made aircraft engines as well. And those engineers would cycle through, but they'd also cycle through into the racing teams, and of course um, you need power, and but you also need durability. Yeah. And that was passed on to, to the road cars, because particularly the cars from Alfa Romeo and Lancia and so on, they were built without consideration of cost <laughs> to make them. <laughs> one was a state-owned enterprise, and one was just owned by a passionate man who, who just wanted to be the best. And um, so things that shouldn't really have passed if they're in the business of making money, the engineers just pushed cost accountants, I don't think they had cost the accountants, but pushed the people, the financial people aside, said, no, no, that's the way we're going to do it. That's considered the best way, thing. Mm. But all you need is a clown that doesn't know what he's doing, tinkering with it, Right. or a mechanic, you know, some sloping forward mechanic and particularly in New Zealand in the 50s and 60s and 70s, even um, who didn't want to know and was it was forced upon them um, to work on one of these cars yeah, they just got lost.
0: Just um, weren't familiar with them, kind of. They thing.
1: weren't familiar with them, and the, and the other thing too is they need a sympathetic owner. They're not cars that you can use, like a Toyota, Toyota are very good because you can use and abuse them. Yeah. Um, and until a certain point is reached, they'll just perform, they'll just go. Um, whereas a uh, Italian car, particularly the, the finer brands, are a little bit like a mistress, you, you do need to give them attention. Uh, by attention, I mean, when you drive them you've got to drive them hard occasionally like far harder than most people would feel comfortable with you know little basics like that make sure check the oil check the water and so on rather than just get in the car turn the key and off you go
0: and possibly with your analogy spend quite a bit of money on them because some some people well certainly they have don't Europeans now have the reputation of oh you you if you have a re- european car you must like visiting your garage a lot kind of thing compared to the well areas.
1: unfortunately it's probably um gone yes the, the modern modern cars and i do many things sort of designed beyond about year 2000 So, if the design was was um formulated from year 2000 on where well, there's more and more and more electronics mm-hmm. and and greater pressure from legislators in regard to emissions and safety and 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 consumer demand for more gadgets cars have again become unreliable and european cars tend to have more gadgets on them first than opposing nations products and tend to use technology first again (laughs) um and so you get a lot of things going wrong or irritating things happening. Um and these days because of access you know, you just gotta look at under the bonnet of a modern car from anywhere and um it's just yeah, you've got restricted space. Um, you've got heat build up which you wouldn't have had before with lots more air space. Yeah. You've got a greater reliance on electronics and the continued use of plastic um, sheathing for insulation and and wiring um, and which gets brittle with heat and cold cycles you know, as it heats its on, and it's just a recipe for disaster.
0: Yes, not so much mechanic as a computer engineer now, could?
1: Yes. yes. Well, with an aircraft, you know you um, they use gold contacts and they double up on everything, but of course, car manufacturer, they use usually the cheapest possible means of achieving what they want, and unfortunately it's a shortcut mm. and it compromises quality and, and you're getting problems. Um, through modern production engineering, an engine, if it's using the quality oils that the manufacturers recommend and so on, should easily outlast most most older cars. Okay. Okay. Um, but um, the electronics and the silly things that have done um, to, uh, again, save costs and weight and and things like that, which compromise them, can sometimes let them down, but modern cars are better, but you wouldn't want to own one that's over about seven
0: years old. Yeah, I know you keep telling me that, and I've got some. Yeah, that's
1: another thing I just brought up too with production engineering. That's the reason why, again, and Cars like Alfa Romeo's and Ferraris and Lancias and so on were better because their production engineering was better and maybe machining engines down to finer tolerances. And, you know, they used to dyno it at the factory. They used to run every engine that they made for two hours on the dynamometer to check that the power output was right but also make sure that there was nothing untoward. Then they would go and road test them. Yeah. You never got that on, on a Holden or a Ford or a Boston or Morris or anything like that.
0: I'd quite like that road testing job in an Italian car factory.
1: Oh, I, I have you I've seen have you seen the have you seen the old um videos of them?
0: Oh is that the ones up on the roof where it were like the Fiat
1: Oh that's that's a Fiat Tiri. one, but have you seen the, the um the Alpha and the Ferrari ones where the drivers go out and they've got a test track? No. And um they just hammer them. <laughs> <laughs> they're, like, they're like madmen. But, you know, they're testing the brakes and they're testing the <laughs> the engine performance and the gearbox working all right and so on.
0: He's not yeah, going yeah. Fast, enough.
1: That's, go fast enough. That's right. They don't just go for a little poodle around the, the block. <laughs> it's crazy. But, you know, the product was good. But um, one thing about them, to be fair, having a fair bit of... Um, input without machines robots making them is that you did get good ones and you got ones that weren't as good Mm. and i could in my workshop you get a car come in and you think wow that's a really good going and i've had them myself i thought well this is a bit flat you know it's a bit of a dud one this must have been a friday car (laughs) and you get another one you like, wow that's that goes better than I've ever had one of these go before. And you know it's absolutely standard.
0: Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So there is, I will admit to, variable quality, but I'm talking about being all right to being superb.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, so it's, it's having someone knowledgeable to look after them as well. Then. Yes.
1: Yes, well, it's a, it's a sympathetic ear, so to speak. Yes. And we used to have in the workshop, we used to have people come in and, and um, uh, you the come in, you know, the car's not running right. It's, it's just not going where it was, got no power anymore and so on. And he knew damn well that they really shouldn't have owned like an Alpha because they drove it so gently that they were doing harm to it.
0: They like they like to be riffed a
1: lot of them don't so, they? so we used to we used to go out before we even started on a car like that, we'd go out and give it what we called an Italian tune up. <laughs> now we'd actually uh, I it's better I tell them because you know, it's always Christchurch is a small place. There'll be someone driving around or a friend or relative, or I might even be doing it themselves, walking around, and they see this thing flash by being, you know, revved hard and uh, wouldn't be too impressed like I wouldn't be. So I'd tell them this is what I was going to do uh-huh. and get it out of the, you know, get it in, in their mind that that was what was going to happen to the car. And then I'd do it and it would come back a different car. times out of 10.
0: Yeah, it's just clearing out the cobwebs. That's right, that's right. And
1: and often when you did that, the black smoke and the blue smoke that used to come out (laughs) the back initially. (laughs) But Porsches were like that too. I had a lot of um, uh, 911 Porsches that were exactly the same. People would buy a Porsche. They'd always fancy the Porsche. And, you know, they'd be just tootling around. Never take it over about 3,000 RPM and same thing, complaining, oh, it wouldn't idle properly and you know, it didn't seem to have the power it did before and it's harder to start and so on. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, sir. I'm going to go out um, and give your car what we call an Italian tune-up because I think you're driving it too gently. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> so there's a drive. I had the odd
1: one the odd one that was insulted <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: so there we are there's a drive-alive top tip for all you Porsche owners listening which is probably about none but just in case you are <laughs> drive around in second gear everywhere every yeah, speed yeah. So well
1: the the, old, the the new ones that's one thing with the injection it gets um, in fact they tend to wear on slightly lean mixtures now so you don't get that; it's it's regulated. So um, even when it's cold, it's got roughly the right, right mixture. Okay. It's carbureted cars, and of course the Porsches had the um, the three carburetors and one for each bank of cylinders. So it was effect- effectively a six carburetor car, and um, and even the mechanical injection that we used to um, okay. do. That was a bit the same as a carbureted
0: car. I'll qualify that with older, older Porsche drivers and older yes, Italian car yes, drivers. Carburetted yes. cars. If it's running rough. Second gear everywhere for a few hours, days. Should be fine. Yep. Should be fine. Yep. Right, we should we should get on to talking about your exploits. So um, driving tests. Yes. How many goes... Italian car driver.
1: I got it the first time. Of course you did. Of course you did. I did, did flew through it. Um, I went to driving, my parents paid for driving lessons first and I actually, they actually chose the driving instructor that um, had my mum as a pupil and uh, he had a very good reputation in Christchurch. And so I lived on the outskirts of Christchurch City boundary over the road was Waimari Wyma- County Council and I ended up getting tested by one of their officers my, my hills start I I lived in, in Fendleton <laughs> and what am I
0: how, how many hills but, are there in Fendleton
1: <laughs> there isn't but there's a railway line that goes straight through it and the railway line in Roxton Terrace where I got tested um, is probably a metre higher than the, the road it's <laughs> on a hump and that was my hill test
0: that was your hill start.
1: that's in the yeah. days when
0: they used to have hill start tests they don't anymore do they no I know. yeah no it was all most people do it in automatic so that's cheating yeah. anyway
1: oh yes yes yeah, so i believe you can't um you get restricted license to an automatic now if you you um go in an automatic and get Whereas in those that's days, right. yeah, I
0: that's don't. Brilliant.
1: There wasn't too many automatics anyway, and of course, um, yeah. So,
0: so a one metre a manual slope, car, one mm-hmm. meter slope is your hill start. Yes, yes. <laughs> well,
1: otherwise, I'd have had to have gone to um' cause where oh. I lived was the northwest of the city, and of course, the hills are on the southeast. It was a, yeah. quite a way to
0: genuine hills,
1: or uh, quite a way to go. Yeah,
0: I have to go <laughs> down down to Lindis <laughs> Pass yeah, right yeah that's right that's right that's right.
1: but so, it was it was pretty easy um I can't remember much about the practical test, but there was one, but um again, no problem. I was super keen on driving, yeah, um so I wanted to get my license I wanted to make a dead bird of it and and I was always good at exams and so on anyway so the the practical side was the the side which you know I was pretty confident there too.
0: So that's cool. So, your first car then after that, well, your first car was the Fiat 125.
1: Well, my first real car um, right. was, I was given by my dad a third, 1937 Chev Master 85.
0: Oh, well, that, okay, that was almost a classic when you must have got that. Or was that? Huh?
1: You know, in oh, the I'm 60s. 60s. Late ish 60s. Yeah.
0: 30 years old.
1: So they're still, they're still used um, as daily family drivers. Wow. Uh, it wasn't until early 70s that um, from what I remember the government stopped the need to get overseas funds uh, when you purchased a new car. There were some exceptions but you know most cars you needed overseas funds to buy a new one. Ah. Oh. And that kept the price of Used cars artificially high. There's no Japanese imports.
0: No, that's true. Of course, back then,
1: so cars were still pretty highly priced, and um, it wasn't uncommon for a daily driver to be um, a 19, particularly a 1930s car. But I can remember um, seeing 1920s cars being used as daily drivers. In fact, we had a character. Professor Moffat, who was a neighbour, who's down the road from us where we lived, and he was a, a lecturer. might have been the head of a department and um, at the Teachers Training College in Christchurch. And he used to drive nineteen twenties Buicks, as his was daily driver. That'd be pretty he had big car. Two of them. Wow.
0: Mm.
1: Mm. And but there were others as well. I used to see. Um, I can remember a teacher at school who. Um, drove a 1930 Chevrolet.
0: So how many times did you nearly crash yours then?
1: Never. Never. Oh, well, i tell a lie. One day, I um, again, playing, you know, I'd always worked on them. In fact, my dad gave me this car not going. He said, here we are. I knew I was interested in cars, and so he said, here we are. If you can get it going, you, you can keep it otherwise you've got to, it's gotta be solved,
0: oh so, yeah, clever
1: so, so I got it going within them very short time, had no spark <laughs> anyway, um, I then started you know checking things, brakes, and all the rest of it, adjusted the brakes up, I had drum brakes, obviously. and mm-hmm. um I remember taking it out one time, just by in park terrace and it was just that drizzle that made the road greasy, mm-hmm. oh, and um, I applied the brakes. Someone went across a pedestrian crossing by the Armagh Street gates, and the Park suddenly decided to go across. And I put my foot on the brakes, and um, you really needed the brakes; were so sensitive that um, the air pressure between the sole of my foot and the brake pedal locked them up. <laughs> And uh, and all of a sudden, I'm sort of sideways, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no other car in the opposite direction, and and um, I was only partially sideways. I think it felt a bit more dramatic than what it really was, but that was a yeah. scare. But that was the only thing I had. To yeah, very
0: what I, yeah, very good. Yeah, very good. Okay, so you're you're obviously well into your Italian cars and the whole sort of passionata about them. But what what do you like about Driving itself, then. I like the
1: control aspect, the freedom that driving gives you. The, you know the feel. I like it. I liken it to driving. You're driving a good car. It's like having a nice horse under you. A good horse, right? Yeah. Um, and the particularly the cars I'm interested in are usually always very throttle sensitive, so you've only got to touch the throttle, and they just want to surge away. And usually, the the gear change is pleasant. You know, it's nice. It's a nice part of it. It's a, it's an integrated package, and you you I appreciate that. Yeah, and also I like the design. Um, I often say to my son who owns the cars that, you know, if they stop petrol, so you couldn't get any petrol, we, I get a lot of satisfaction still by just looking at them. And I'm the kind of weirdo that often has the bonnet open just to look at the, the beautiful castings and the engines and, and so on on them. So so well, yeah, that and, of course, a lot of those cars are, have been in Museum of Modern Art Exhibit and so on too, so they're considered sort of art on wheels anyway.
0: Yeah, that's it, because I think that's a bigger uh, sort of underestimated aspect of yeah. transport and cars and stuff, because some, yeah. some of them really are just stunning bits of design, and like you said, you just park them in the garden. Well, the other
1: thing too, is they're a commentary on social history and tastes and so
0: yeah.
1: on. Um, particularly the sort of um, more exotic, but even some of the more mundane vehicles, there are like colour schemes if they kick the original colours see the colour combinations and the colours that were fashionable at the time look inside to the upholstery and the style of the dash and all the rest of it and you see what was you know, acceptable taste or, and well, in fact highly desirable taste because they needed to sell them so yeah. they producing products that, that were um, designed to be desirable to
0: consumers the 1970s and, um, Browns or yes, oranges, yes. they probably call them. I don't know, is brown making a comeback now? They probably call it yes, cap- cappuccino yes. or something now. Not yeah, oh, the, well, they, they brown. change the names every
1: year um, to something trendy. Again, that reflects in, in social trends and tastes what the names of the colours are. till you and I will be brown, metallic brown or metallic sand or something, but it will be something like
0: Kalahari <laughs> or. or Kalahari on my base model Fiesta. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. That's right. Something exotic and
1: and again, you know, <laughs> mystic maybe. The uh, where they're trying to sort of flaunt it. But yeah. yeah. No. It, it's so so they are interesting pieces of of architecture, if you like.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you say about that social comment side because something I my theory is over the last ten. Well, maybe 15 years but it's probably more 10 years mm. and it's something my kids commented on when they're little That sort of that car's angry you look at the car's mm. face it's just angry cars in your rear view mirror now they're all like really clenched teeth <laughs> eyebrows right down like really aggressive sort of well, pressure pressure um
1: to me they look like exaggerated toys Um, I can remember things like Tonka toys and some where they were deliberately styled to 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 look strong and aggressive or bulky. Yeah, but it's like so on, and and, um, they're much the same because, of course, nowadays they're designed by committees and and they also do research beforehand to make sure that the market wants what they've got or supposedly wants what they've got. So. So you get the same, and of course they use a computer with the same programs yep. and so on. And so they tend to be all the same.
0: We, we need to um, return to the happy little Fiat bambino, or you yeah, know, yeah, not, not the yeah. "I'm going to eat you and get out of my way." No, right. Oh, well, that's
1: right. Well, people are a lot more aggressive nowadays, and yeah. now I notice that um, women have become a lot more aggressive than they were. But you see, you get desensitization. When you hop on a modern car now, you're desensitized. The mm. steering's as light as possible if you're driving if you're driving a manual and most people can't be bothered because it's too much effort, you know. Yeah. Even though they're getting fatter and bigger, they need the exercise, they ignore that. and no, that's more convenient to drive an auto. Yeah,
0: you're, you're uh, uh, all I
1: don't all. there's less effort and plus I can play with other the gadgets in the car will play with my phone while I'm driving. But they they are an appliance, truly. And but you, what they do do is dull the sensation of speed even. Man. And um, it's frightening. My wife and I were on a car park in the, in the shopping centre, I think it was, um, just in the last few days. And um, the car came storming through. And, uh, of course, it was an SUV. And I um, oh, said, look at that cha- Oh, it's a woman. And it was. It was a woman in her 30s, i I'd say, late 30s. Driving, but she's in way too fast for a car park. But I notice that now it's not just the males, and, but some of them. If you, will, you stopped and asked that woman, I'm sure she wouldn't have realised that she was going as fast as she was, yeah. because she doesn't get the sensation of speed that you get.
0: Need to need to occasionally drive course. convertibles with the roof down so you can realise exactly. That yes, rent a classic well, look, can
1: help you with. Well, but you're truly at one, and you can also appreciate the journey rather than just concentrate on the destination
0: mm yeah if uh yeah i I like convertibles and and if blokes think they're girly hairdressers cars they just need to get more comfortable in there Man. well
1: i I can't see how they how they could because um you know there are there are lots of cars which are highly well i think are highly desirable, and I'm sure they would too too if they open their mind up at that
0: yes. Absolutely, feel the sensation. Go back to the. It's almost like the yeah. horse riding again. You're out in the open. Well,
1: well, you don't need a. You actually don't need a fast car.
0: No, Steve. You That's know, true.
1: I, I. It's ironic. All our, all our cars, I guess, apart from one of the Ferraris, would be slow in comparison, and yet they are fast in their day. Um, but one of the cars which I got as much pleasure from driving is a little fiat 500 yeah where you did get a bit of a sensation of speed you, you you weren't going any faster than the traffic around you but you felt you were going fast but it was also satisfying you that you had a, a particularly mechanical gear change which um, you needed to double the clutch to operate which most people couldn't so you got the no, pleasure no, yeah. of utilizing a skill which most people haven't got um, there was a pleasant feel to it as well, and you know that that tactile, that tactility, and the fact that you felt as though you're going fast enough anyway, and everybody would smile and wave you, wave you through if you were stopped somewhere at an intersection. They yeah. often let you through or wave you on rather than try to beat you. Yes, crush yeah, you. Yeah. particularly bad for that.
0: So not only you're you're putting smiles on other people's faces, you're actually probably getting there faster because people are letting you out at junctions. I said they let to go through, so you get you get there much faster than if you're in a big ugly es- aggressive SUV. Oh yeah, well,
1: well you're just one of
0: the messes again anyway. So yeah, yeah, that's good emotional. Get people back in little happy cars. Yeah, yeah. Should do that. Um, right. So what? don't you like about driving? or what Well, gets you frustrated I, I hate stop-start
1: urban driving in a congested situation where, you know, you're stuck. But um, to me, even though I love driving, I hate that kind of situation. and would rather take a bus.
0: Yes, that's um, not so good when you're in a manual either.
1: No, look, I, I can remember I used to travel the country on business, and I can remember being stuck on the Auckland motorway by that tip-top ice cream factory, which was a landmark. And um, I was stuck there, it seemed like forever, but I managed to travel 200 meters, because I measured it, 200 meters in 22 minutes. Ouch. And thought, uh, uh, you know, I was getting angrier and frustrated and I see other people around me the same. Um, I just switched off in the end. Yeah, it's it's not they're not loving. i <laughs> <All alone> driving. <laughs> Why wouldn't you take urban transport instead of putting up with that?
0: Yes, I can imagine the poor Auckland folks are now saying, "We well, wish we were on the motorway," but then they get back on the motorway straight into a traffic jam, and it's oh
1: yeah, whoa. yeah, yeah. And and also, I could appreciate electric cars in that respect. Mm. You know, we're sitting there with everybody idling away. I think a couple of people had turned their engines off or had those stop-start, stop-start automatic yeah. things, but but most people idling away. And, I'm, and I remember sort of um, I had to adjust the uh, the air intake on the rental to, sh- to stop the fumes coming in. You know, I just I had the window open initially, and that was a mistake. So I <laughs> closed the window. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just just. I'd rather have been somewhere else, and normally one of my happiest places is behind the wheel of one of our cars.
0: Hmm. Out on the open road. Yeah. Right yeah. Which we're actually we're incredibly fortunate in New Zealand that a lot of the roads outside of the cities aren't jammed or motorway clogged or... Oh, look, um, i
1: tell you what. My... You're quite right. My um, son, my oldest son, who, who comes his cars. Spent five years in UK uh, for work, and um, he came back, and within a short time, he decided to treat me, and and um, we went on this thing called the Classic Alpine Tour, um, out of Arrowtown, it was, and it travelled round the the lower South Island, right, and uh, we took our little Alpha Julietta, which is oh, convertible. Yeah and um he commented a, a few times he said i can't get over it dad he said it was during COVID, mind you well you know um the remnants of covert yep. but um he said i can't believe it he said there's hardly any traffic on the road and he said, look at the roads they're fantastic and they were they're all like newly sealed almost he said, the roads are in fantastic condition as well. He said, in UK, you can't do that. He said, I've driven up through Scotland and all the rest of it. He said, it's about the only place in a bit of Wales. We said, we're it's relatively unpopulated, but it's still nothing like this.
0: No, that's right. He said, it's
1: where you can really appreciate a car like this, you know, and we traveled most of the journey there and back with the top down.
0: Yeah. Fantastic and we and we get to drive through that stunning scenery and yeah. appreciate it and the yeah. curving dipping roads but yes i can remember i went back to the uk five years ago and sort of driving back on motorways and stuff and was going oh yeah i've got motorways i can overtime and get a move on this is good this is what i'm missing and then 30 minutes later i was sitting in a traffic jam going nowhere for 30 yeah. minutes on a motorway i said no no this 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 isn't good this this, right. is, this is worse there's got to be
1: more to life than that yes. yeah
0: it's sort of initially good and then nah nah you're yeah. just stuck in another yeah. jam again
1: yeah um, oh you know it's, it's one thing i'm grateful for look i've never traveled but you know i watch a lot of documentary tv <laughs> speak to people that have been over there including my son and so on and, and um and meet a lot of people with exotic cars that come over and they say this must be one of the best places in the world where you can actually enjoy the car. You're not caught up in stop start traffic or even dense traffic flow. And um, you can, if you're careful, still utilise most of the speed of the car.
0: New Zealand's roads, best kept motoring secret.
1: <laughs> it is. It is because they're an interesting roads. They're yes, not just like you see in the States in the Midwest straight slightly undulating roads um, for miles we've got that in canterbury but you've also got mountain passes and narrow country lane oh, type right. things like you see in england or well, they track the as well you've got the whole variety
0: yeah track the rivers They say so go through the mountain i mean even heading south on the canterbury plains just sort of well it's flat 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 but then especially wintertime, you look over to your right and there's the start of the southern snow-capped Alps coming right. right there that's next right. to you. And you go, whoa, where did they come from? And it yeah. just gets even more spectacular.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, we're, we're lucky because, you know, that's right, the background sea dream as well, which makes the whole motoring experience. It's not just the, the actual road you're on. Um, it's sad, though, that that a lot of people don't take all that in when they're driving. That it's purely concentrating on the on getting to the destination, mm. without taking taking everything in, from from the driving experience to the the scenery that they're passing through.
0: Yes, and it's, I think went, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess it's hard if you depending on where you've come from, if you've always kind of been there and haven't seen what others have to gr- grind through, kind of thing, or get stuck behind, or. But yes, the most of once you get out of the cities, the the roads are quite yeah. something. Oh yes, yeah. yeah, quite something. So we've got we've got ten minutes left, and I've barely started asking you questions here. I might have to do <laughs> a part two on this one. Um, so talking about well, because you mentioned about sort of driving congestion and electric cars and getting stuck in things. So what do you, what do you think about the future of driving and transport is it more, well, I think is it more ways, public transport in urban areas is it yes is,
1: well I, well I don't know whether we will in Christchurch oh sorry in, in most of the cities in New Zealand because in a way um, there's still not the need maybe awkward uh, but uh, the other thing is that they've been built much much later than the old cities in Europe in particular, where they're a lot more congested. There's a higher population density. Mm -hmm. Um, We tend to have suburban cities uh, where the the population density is nothing like it. And they've been forced by necessity, essentially, to build underground systems and and, um, allow for public transport. Yeah. With New Zealand cities, it's an afterthought. Now they'll invest, in, and Auckland's going through that with a rail system, and their bus routes and so on on the motorways and and so on. But I don't think it's going to be good enough compared to what they experience overseas to attract most people that are going into the the central city or moving around the greater area. It's just too late. Um, it annoys me in Christchurch where we've built two townships essentially one on the north, one on the south mm-hmm. and they've not uh, not allowed for rail transport. By chance the Rolleston, which is the biggest one on the south of the city the railway line, the main trunk railway line passes on the outskirts of it but it's only a single lane or single rail right. line and I don't think it would, and plus we haven't got the, um, the the land purchases and so on in place to to provide suburban, and we haven't got the population either, mm. to justify the expense of um, building a proper rail network. Pegasus on the north of Christchurch, which is goes up and, and Wood End, they really should have had some kind of um, transport system back to the city, but nothing's happened. They're relying on road transport still and um, just improving the motorway on the northern side of town to accommodate it, which I think is,
0: is short-term planning, Cause really. Because obviously in the sort of early part of the 20th century, and I know cars weren't really established then so much, but all the cities had trams, didn't they? And obviously Christchurch has still got Cr- the tourists.
1: well, they resurrected them, yes. And the buses have always been recently strong in Christchurch but no one uses them um well very few people use them uh, I'd say there's probably more people cycle and there appears to be more people All cycling because right. um, they've got cycleways around Christchurch now um but um and and yeah the problem with bustles was, is they lack the total flexibility of a personal means of transport like a car and um, Mm. you know they can't you can't just take off on demand you've got to wait for for their timetable and um, you've got to walk to to get to a bus stop um, which is a bit of an effort for most modern human beings (laughs) yeah so hence the use of and plus you've got privacy You're not having to share with people that you don't like or got nothing in common with or stink or or, whatever. (laughs) You you see them as socially backward or something. You don't have to put up with that kind of potential unpleasantness um, in your own car.
0: Yeah, but we do have to put up with all the jams and, the um, yeah, by making those choices, we kind of limit ourselves and we're all contributing to it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. I can't see uh, unless cars were, were made illegal. I can't see people abandoning cars. Um, potentially, they'll become cheaper to run—not necessarily owned, but cheaper to run with electric. But I think hydrogen cars are going to be the you know, hydrogen vehicles are going to be the, the future one
0: oh yeah. so, sorry richard we're just yeah. losing you on the signal there well, you've gone a bit thinner. Oh, all right some, there we go back again better. now yeah yeah so hydrogen cars and yeah. um yeah are, are some manufacturers starting to bring those out yeah yes. well i
1: have been for a while i know bmw have been experimenting for something like 30 years or so at least um but i remember seeing them i think it was last year that the Australian government were setting, putting up a whole series of hydrogen stations to facilitate hydrogen vehicles. All right. My, my son pointed um, me to a, a thing on YouTube with the organisation JCB, you know, the um, people that make forklifts and and industrial equipment from cranes and, and um, all the rest of it. And they were experimenting. They actually had a hydrogen engine there, which isn't that different to internal, a internal normal petrol or diesel internal combustion engine. And they showed them. They showed the um, the reporter what they were doing on their test bed and so on. But they were saying there's practical reasons why heavy equipment can't use electric motors anyway.
0: Right. Okay.
1: Uh, and it was a re- it's a really interesting i suggest that if you're halfway interested in cars and the future that you have a look at this uh, this video uh, and you'll appreciate why i think that um, and a lot of people think that um electric cars have a limited future or they're going to be restricted to strictly urban use only
0: because, mm, I mean, obviously all the development and news and purchasing and things is all around electric, But so it's sort of well, hydrogen t- I, too I, late I'm, in the field here, or do you think I, it might I'm a up? little bit
1: of a um, cynic. There's vested interest, there's a lot of investment in, in electric vehicles, but there's also been a lot of political pressure to push them that way, mainly by people that have an idea and are ideal, but have no practical knowledge about how it's going to be facilitated and what the repercussions will be.
0: Right.
1: And they're getting pushed, or manufacturers are getting pushed towards um, electric vehicles without being fully convinced themselves that they are the appropriate way to go. And looking at this JCB video, It does indicate why it's not a good idea and the practical limitations of electric vehicles and why it's not the future.
0: Okay. Well, we're probably going to, that's, we could have a a long discussion on that one and probably like to. So I might be getting you back for a part two at some point, but we've actually, we've actually run out of time now. Oh dear. So, but that's good. Because we've yes. had a good, long, wide-ranging discussion. Um, so, Richard Jones, thank you very much uh, for your time on the show tonight. My pleasure. That was uh, great talking to you. So, from me, it's a uh, good night to all you out, you out there. Drive safely, uh, drive focused. Thank you to MPD for filling us up. Hopefully they'll fill you up too. And uh, come back in two weeks' time where we'll have another show. Thank you again, Richard.